Hello and welcome to the Mr. Brown podcast, where I reflect on my journey as an early career teacher with a special focus on mental health. I am your host, James Brown. The Flammarion engraving is a wood engraving by an unknown artist. It's called the Flammarion engraving because it first appeared in a book in 1888 by Camille Flammarion. That was the author's name. The book was called, I'm going to try to say this in French, L'Atmosphérie Meteorologie Populaire. That sounded quite good. What you don't know is that I took about five attempts and and cut the failed attempts out in editing. Anyway, that translates to the atmosphere, popular meteorology. Now, I should acknowledge right here that a podcast isn't the best place to discuss an image, given that it's all audio. But I'll post a link to this image the Flammarion engraving, in the show notes. And I'll also make it the artwork for this episode, so you should be able to access it just fine. And the same goes for an image that I'll discuss a bit later too. So what does the Flammarion engraving depict? Well, before I talk about that, I first need to say a little bit about biblical cosmology. So this is what the Bible has to say about the origin and structure of the cosmos, the universe. So if you remember, in the beginning, according to the Bible, there was just water, the primal sea. But God came along and he separated the primal sea into an upper sea and a lower sea. And he separated the two with a vast solid dome called the firmament, which these days is just another word for the sky or the heavens, that which is above us. And this idea has some intuitive appeal, because when you think about it, we all live on dry land, most of us live on dry land. Beyond that land is the sea, a vast body of water, But that's not the only source of water. Every so often, quite often in some countries, water also falls from the sky. That suggests that there isn't only water beyond our islands and beneath us, but also above us. And every so often it seeps through and falls down. But God created this space between But God created this space in this vast body of water. Space enough for there to be dry land where we live. And the upper sea is held up by the firmament. Okay, Now you might think, well, water isn't the only thing to fall from the heavens. If you look up, you can also see stars, the sun, the moon, etc. And so according to biblical cosmology, those cosmic entities were studded onto the underside of the firmament, the underside of this great big dome that separates the upper sea from the lower sea. Okay, now, 
back to the Flammarion engraving, what does it depict? Well, there are two realms, and the two realms are separated by the firmament. Within the firmament, we see all that's familiar. You've got the stars and the sun and the moon studded onto the underside of the firmament, the sky. And then beneath it, you can see dry land, fields, trees, towns, etc. Beyond the firmament, however, is, in a nutshell, chaos. There is water and clouds and flames and cogs and wheels and generally the unknown. So we have these two realms, the familiar and the unfamiliar, separated by the firmament, the sky. But that's not all we see in the Flammarion engraving. There is also a character. There's a man dressed in long robes, holding a staff in his left hand, and he's kind of on all fours, and he's lifted up the firmament, and he's popped his head and his right arm out into the unknown. So he's lifted up the firmament, as you could imagine, lifting up the bottom of a heavy curtain to reveal the chaos that's beyond. It's a really quite amazing image. Now, you may be thinking, this is an education podcast, and while it may be interesting to learn about the Flammarion engraving, what on earth does it have to do with education in particular? Well, before I answer that question, I want to discuss another image. One with which you may be more familiar. It is called the Learning Zone Model. Again, I'll post a link to this image in the show notes, but I'll describe it here as well. So you'll typically see it as three concentric circles. The innermost, smallest circle is usually green and labelled the comfort zone. The middle circle is usually orange and labelled the learning zone. And then beyond that, you have the outermost circle, which is usually red and labelled either the panic zone or perhaps chaos. Now, the learning zone model is based on Vygotsky's zone of proximal development. So very briefly, the zone of proximal development is the distance between what a learner is capable of doing on their own and what they can do supported. So returning to the learning zone model, those three concentric circles, in our comfort zone, that's the innermost circle, things are familiar to us, okay? People, environment, activities, etc. In our comfort zone, we are comfortable and we don't have to take any risks. It gives us space to reflect and to make sense of our experiences. But it does not offer us many opportunities to learn and to develop. To learn and develop, we need to move beyond our comfort zone. And once we're beyond our comfort zone, we move first into the learning zone, the zone of proximal development. This is where we can take risks that are calculated and manageable 
but which lead to new discoveries. And beyond the learning zone is, like I said, the panic zone. That's just chaos. Learning in the panic zone is difficult, as it's usually inhibited by a sense of fear. Someone who's in the panic zone might say that they are completely out of their depth or in over their head. And if you're afraid, your working memory is quickly overwhelmed, which makes learning very difficult indeed. But between the comfort zone and the panic zone, there's this Goldilocks zone, the learning zone, the zone of proximal development. That's where we can learn. Now, hopefully it's easy enough to see what the learning zone model has to do with education. But what does any of this have to do with the Flammarion engraving? Well, I think if we compare the two images, the learning zone model on the one hand, so those three concentric circles, the innermost being the comfort zone, the middle circle being the learning zone, and the outermost circle being the panic zone, if you compare that image to the Flammarion engraving, certain similarities start to jump out at you. So in the Flammarion engraving, within the firmament, there's everything that's familiar. There's dry land. There's the sun and the moon and the stars and the sky. There's everything that's known. And beyond the firmament, there is fear and panic-inducing chaos. Okay, And in the middle, we have our character. This man who has poked his head under the firmament into the unknown. And I would say that he is occupying the learning zone. Most of him is grounded in what he knows. It's still inside the firmament. But some of him, in particular his head, is beyond the firmament, looking out into the unknown. He is in a position where he can learn something and make new discoveries. And to see something, to experience it, is in a way to know it. To see something and put a name on it is to turn it from the unknown into the known. And if that's what he does, if he individuates some element of chaos out there beyond the firmament and tags a label to it, I would argue that the firmament expands outwards to accommodate this newly learned thing. Similarly, if we go back to the learning zone model, as you're learning things, as you're adding to your knowledge, your comfort zone increases. What was once unknown and scary is now known and familiar. Things that you couldn't do once upon a time, you now can do, and you don't even have to think about doing them. I'm thinking in particular here about teacher education, when at the start, you have to pay attention to every little thing you're doing, but soon enough, you automate much of those processes and they become second nature. You can do them on autopilot. Your comfort zone has increased to accommodate those things, which when you first encountered them were quite scary and new and needed attention, but now they're second nature. So I think there's a striking parallel between the Flammarion engraving and the learning zone model. That said, I prefer the Flammarion engraving. Why is that? 
simply because the Flammarion engraving involves a person. And learning is something that people do. It doesn't happen on its own in abstraction. And the presence of this character, this man in the Flammarion engraving, encourages us to ask, why has he stuck his head out beyond the firmament into chaos? What motivated him to leave behind what was familiar and to confront the unfamiliar? In the learning zone model, by contrast, there is no character, there is no person. It's just three abstract concentric circles. And so we aren't encouraged to ask that fundamental question. To put it another way, the question is, why would anyone want to learn anything? And I think that's a fundamental question that teachers need to ask themselves on a regular basis. In fact, for each and every lesson they plan to teach, why would my students want to know what it is I plan to teach them today? If I can't answer that question, then I can't possibly give them a reason to learn what I want to teach them. It's a question that I try to ask myself as often as I can, especially when I'm planning lessons. How am I going to convince my students that this is worth learning? Part of the issue is that with each new lesson, that question has a new answer. And there doesn't seem to be a general answer to the question. So it's for each teacher to figure it out on their own and to figure it out for each lesson they plan to teach. Dan Mayer has a nice analogy. He talks specifically about mathematics, but we can paraphrase it to make it a bit more general. If today's lesson is the aspirin, then how do I create a headache for my students? How can I motivate them to travel beyond what they already know, to lift up the heavy curtain of the firmament and to stick their head out into the unknown and confront the unfamiliar, grapple with it and turn it into the familiar? And I'll leave you with that question. This episode took around three hours to produce, which is about average and I usually produce two episodes a month. If you enjoy the podcast and you think that that work is worth at least the price of a coffee, two or three pounds, then please consider becoming a patron and helping cover the financial cost of producing the podcast, which as it stands is around about 14 pounds a month. Any contribution would be greatly appreciated. If you enjoyed this episode, please spread the word in person and on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at MrBrownPod or email MrBrownPod at gmail.com. Please subscribe, rate and review in your directory of choice. Please also consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash MrBrownPod and helping me cover the cost of producing the podcast. Thank you and talk again soon.